Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Sam. This week we are doing what we did a couple of weeks ago and one of us is just going to tell the other a story. So this week I'm going to tell Samantha a story. The reason I actually looked into this case is because Sam and I are going up north in a couple of weeks time on a bit of a road trip and I started thinking about all the islands and the smaller places in Scotland where you don't really hear of much crime happening and then I came across this story that I knew about this story but I didn't actually know where about it all happened. I don't know if you'll know much about it, Sam, so I'm looking forward to hearing your opinion. This week's story is the murder of Alicia McVeigh. Do you know anything about the murder of Alicia McVeigh or is this completely new for you? I know a tiny bit so kind of like you know what was on the news and yeah. just the big huge parts of it but mm-hmm. nothing nothing to put a full story together so I'm quite interested and ready to hear what you're gonna say. Yeah because I forget this was still going on like a year ago. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which is I think our probably our newest one to date really. Mm-hmm. Well yeah because we've been focusing on poof, what 70s? Mm, yeah a lot of it yeah so yes this is probably our most up-to-date one and she's also our youngest victim so far as well how old is she she was six (sighs) right yeah so let's begin alicia McVale was born on the 22nd of october 2011 and she lived in airdrie in north lanarkshire with her mum georgia her mum and dad had split up and her mum lived with her in airdrie north lanarkshire and her dad robert had actually moved to the isle of butte so she lived full time with her mum, but she went and saw her dad because every couple of weeks she'd go and stay with him. But it is still a 70 mile difference. So obviously she wasn't seeing him all the time. When I was looking into what kind of girl she was, it's your typical six year old girl. She was bright. She was bubbly. She was just going into P3. So it was the summer holidays when this all happened. And her teachers described her as like a lovely personality. She was very clever. And I think she actually enjoyed school, which is not. Like, like yeah, I think you still enjoy school at that age, don't oh, you? Oh yeah, when you're seven. When you get six. to about yeah, yeah, it's when you hit P four, you're like, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So it was the summer holidays, and she was actually going to stay with her dad in our, the Isle of Butte for three weeks. Her dad lived over there with his girlfriend Tony, and he actually stayed with his parents. So she'd be going to stay with her grandparents, her stepmom, and her dad. So she went over and got the ferry over for the three weeks. So this is all at the start of July. Well, end of June, she goes over, start of July, it all kind of happens. So she's got the ferry and her grandparents pick her up from the ferry and they said she was in great spirits. She was excited to be there. She's, she was quite a cheeky personality. So like her granddad was driving and she was like tapping him on the back and stuff, right? <laughs> so she was just like in a good kind of form when she gets there. The Isle of Butte, I'm just going to mention, like I didn't realise how small the Isle of Butte is. So it's a population of 7,000. Really? Yeah, which is smaller than I thought. I always think Isle of Butte's actually quite big, but it's it's not. So yeah, there's tiny. Do you know what I mean? Seven thousand. Where where is Butte? Is it on the west coast, or am I yes. making that up? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's only seventy miles from Airdrie. True. Could mean seventy miles up though. Mm, that's true, Samantha. <laughs> you've got me there. But yeah, it's quite a small place. So I think when we like some of the crimes we've talked about, they're happening in these big places like Glasgow, Edinburgh. It's so difficult to find a suspect, and I'm not saying oh. it's you know 7,000 people it's easier but it's a hell of a lot yeah yeah definitely 
so yeah, she's had a good first couple of days and this all actually happens on her third day into her holiday. So it was a busy day, she was out seeing people, she was doing different things, like exploring with her grandparents and her dad. So by the time she got home, she was absolutely knackered and she went to bed pretty early and they said that they put a Peppa Pig film on for her and Aww. she was out for the kink kind of thing. Tony, her dad's girlfriend, went and checked on her at 11pm and she was sound asleep. So the next morning, so that would be the 2nd of July 2018, her granddad Callum got up for work in the morning about 6am and he went to check on her and Alicia was not in her room. So he wakes up the grand and they kind of look all over the house. She's not there. They check outside. Her bike's still there. There's no sign of her outside. There's no sign of her anywhere. She has no history of runaway. So at 6.23am, her grand phones the police. Now, automatically, Police Scotland kind of jump into action, which is fantastic to hear because you do hear about people being like, oh, they're missing. But I think with a six-year-old girl in a place she doesn't really know that well, mm-hmm. they just kind of had to. Do you know what I mean? So they jump into action and basically a manhunt begins. People start looking everywhere, spreading the word. There's a police helicopter out there checking the shores, they're checking the ferries, they're checking everywhere and they're looking for this girl. Now, half an hour after the police are phoned you, about five to seven in the morning, they found a knife near their home, just outside of their house, a kitchen knife, an unidentified kitchen knife. So they take that into the evidence, but obviously they have no idea. And a side note I'd like to mention is they quite openly admitted that the key was left in their front door, so the door wasn't locked. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the problem with some islands. They It's normal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Whereas we are like, lock your doors, lock this, lock that. Oh, my Lord. Exactly. Everybody knows everyone. So they're like, oh, well, nothing will happen. So they did admit that. But then it's not their fault, you know. No. So at about 20 to 9, quarter to 9 in the morning, everyone's still out looking. And a man named George, who had basically seen this post on Facebook and had heard about the manhunt, is out looking for her as well. And just before 9am in the morning, he finds her lifeless naked body in a woodland about 15 minutes away from her grandparents' home. Her body is obviously taken straight in and they do a post-mortem. And the cause of death was asphyxiation due to smothering. There was a lot of injuries on her face and neck. While all over her body, there was 117 injuries. Oh my gosh. She's them, six. Yeah, some of them were inflicted when she was alive. Someone she was not, so like that could be moving the body kind of thing. The main injuries, as I said, were to her nose, mouth and neck. So it's obvious she's been kind of suffocated. And someone at six, it's very easy to hurt their face. But I would like to mention, which is pretty tough, the main part where she had a lot of injuries was her genitalia. And it was obvious that a lot of time had been spent causing these injuries and she had horrendous injuries. Yeah. Which is brutal. Obviously... The media take off with this and are looking for the murderer, looking for any kind of clues. The same as the police. The media is a very great thing. Do you know, it got people out and about looking for her and it got all the people together and it eventually got her found. But the media can also be a horrendous thing as 70 miles away in Airdrie, her mum found out about her daughter's death on Facebook. No way. Yeah. Oh. So I don't know what happened. I don't know why. I understand the dad and the grandparents were kind of busy but I feel like that's the first thing they should almost try to contact her Mm -hmm. so her mum found out on Facebook bless her and then she was escorted over to the Isle of Butte now they start looking for a suspect and they start trying to narrow things down but as we said it's an island of 7,000 people but it's also an island of 7,000 people that know each other Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean so it's quite a difficult one 
So they're they're trying. And then like how they find out who the killer was all kind of falls into place really randomly. So a woman called Janet Campbell had heard about this. Now she was involved in the initial kind of look for this girl. She lived in a beautiful house looking on the fire that was lovely and her mother lived with her who has dementia. So she put CCTV in the house so she could like see if her mum's ever walking away. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, so, just to keep an eye on her, make yeah, sure she's safe. Yeah, so she's like, oh, right, what I'll do is like I'll check the CCTV to see if anything's happened. Do you know what I mean? Just in case like something has happened and maybe she's walked past, maybe I've seen somebody and she checks the CCTV. And at like random times in the morning, so I think it's about 2am in the morning, they actually check the CCTV and her son, Aaron, who's 16, is seen leaving the house, then coming back, then leaving again, and then coming back. What, the woman with the CCTV mm-hmm. son? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So she obviously goes and quizzes him and he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, right, look, like a girl's gone missing, where were you? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, well, you do know if you've done anything. The DNA will be on her. And he's like, what is DNA? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I think he was, like, in his bed. Um, I'll get more into it. But he'd had a party the night before. Right. So I think he, the boy's hungover. Like, oh, my God. If I had a party the night before, my mum came in. in the morning. Try to accuse me of my dad. Like, Tracy, get. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of understand his reaction. And the mum believed him. Of course she would. I mean, I like to think if my mum asked me if I murdered someone, I said, no, she'd believe me. Uh, but because we all know the, Tracy. <laughs> she'd, she'd be the first to accuse well <laughs> something I'd like to say and you, I'll make a proper bit at the end but this mum Janet the way she handled this was fantastic she obviously believes him which is fantastic so she hands this tape over to the police and is like hey I want to give you this footage it's um, of my son leaving in the early hours in the morning but he says he didn't do anything so I want you to have it in case anyone else saw him to kind of rule him out mm-hmm. No, the police are it's obviously good like that she passed it over. Yeah, she passed it over. But the police are obviously like, mm, well, that's what I was going to mention earlier. There's, she does a, another couple of things throughout. But like, yeah, there's a lot of people that like we joke about this. Do you know that if you murdered someone, I'd cover and vice versa. Like we joke about it. But like, she could have easily just ignored that, and I I don't know how this case would have came about if she had. Mm-hmm. So she hands it over, and obviously, police are like, hold up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You say you believe him, but your son is leaving. And she's like, yeah, okay. So he's interviewed, obviously. He woke up, got interviewed by Detective Principal Gavin McKellar. Yeah. And Detective Sergeant Stephen Hendry, just as a possible witness. And he cooperated with questions. He showed no signs of, like, worry or intimidation. And they asked him what he'd done the night before. Now, he basically said that he just smoked some cannabis and done nothing really right okay do you know just had a like had a night blah blah well mm-hmm. this obviously they're like okay fine cool thanks very much for your time done 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 what actually happened is that he had had a house party the night before and he'd had about 15 people over at his house um is this with went... his gran with dementia yeah well, I, don't same house. Where, I don't know where she is Right, okay. So we had 15 friends round to the house where they all kind of got drunk and the party finished just before midnight. And the friend had come back to the house and said that he'd found 
Aaron, well, Aaron Campbell in his bed saying he was suicidal, he was really upset because him and his mum had argued most of the night and it actually came out that this mum, Janet Campbell, was an alcoholic and I do think he had quite a rough time with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the friend said he was worried for him and offered him to stay over but he declined and said, no, no, he's just going to get stoned. That was his words. Fine. So Campbell then got in touch with his local kind of dealer where he gets weed from. He got in touch with a couple of people and one of them was Robert McVale. Alicia's dad. Oh, so I was about him. to say that name sounds familiar. He calls him, no answer. Calls Tony, the girlfriend, no answer. So what he decides, well, obviously he didn't tell the police this at the time. And what he decides to then do is go to break into their house and steal drugs and had nothing to do with her disappearance. However, when they look at the crime scene, sorry, it came out that his mother, yet again, was fantastic with this and she confirmed that items recovered at the beach were from her house, that the knife belonged in her house and fibres from his trousers were actually found on Alicia McVale and DNA of his was found on 14 parts of her body. So day after, 4th of July, he was taken to the police station in Glasgow and questioned but he's replied no comment to every single question. And the following day, he was charged with the murder and rape of Alicia McVeigh and was remanded in custody. And then on the 13th of July, he appeared at Greenock Sheriff Court, sorry, and he did not submit a plea. Now, obviously still, everyone's kind of like, well, what happened? So apparently he'd gone to the house to break in to steal the drugs. And then he saw Alicia and he basically just said, and it's like, this is when I'm like, this story gets worse for me because he just said he saw an opportunity and he just took her. So he hadn't gone there to kidnap her. He just took her and he carried her down to the beach. She was cold, so she was like half asleep in his arms. He put her hoodie, on, his hoodie on her, carried her down and then he basically raped and killed her. Went home to get stuff, had a shower, went out, sorted the crime scene and kind of came home. So yeah, it was a moment of opportunity. He said that he had thought about committing rape before and then this opportunity arose so he did it i'm sorry um, but a six-year-old girl isn't an mm-hmm. opportunity mm-hmm. the next day like obviously after his mom had spoke to him he then googled which i'm straight laugh i'm sorry but like this is when i'm like oh my god don't google things he googled how do police find dna oh like he's 16 he, he was filmed brought up himself with... on snapchat oh, no. saying he did it and sending it to people and the worst one for me is Robert McVeigh actually replied to, like, in the next morning to Aaron, obviously just text him saying, like, hey, what did you want? Like, what was it? Because he'd obviously phoned him for the drugs. And Aaron replied saying, doesn't matter, with two laughing face emoji. Oh, that's all. Mm-hmm. Nope. Mm-hmm. I have no words. Yeah, it's actually quite a rough one. Let's head to the trial. So... He appeared in the High Court in Glasgow and it was the 10th of December 2018 for the indictment proceedings, but he said non-guilty plea to the charge of abducting, raping and murdering. And the trial was set for February 2019, so it actually went ahead. It began on the 11th of February 2019. Now, I remember this from when when it all started. Because he was under 18, the media were banned from using his name, so I remember yeah, this, but, but the nobody drama. knew his name. Mm-hmm. They hid his name. Um, and the court was shown the CCTV footage um, from the cameras installed by Campbell's mother that captured the defendant leaving the house. So he left at about five to two, then returned at like half three, then returned again 
and left and then returned again by like quarter, like 10 past four. Like, what was he doing? And then another CCTV footage. So I'm walking along the beach, at, like well, the shoreline at half two in the morning, apparently carrying something in his arms. But then they obviously said that Alicia's feet were clean and uninjured, so it was obvious she'd been carried. Jeanette Campbell then comes again, so the mum gets up in court. She is wanting her son to Yeah, she it. gets up in court. Yeah, she gets up in court and testifies against him, saying that it's him in the CCTV, several items that were recovered from the beach after the death, like a jacket, jogging bottoms, boxer shorts, a t-shirt and the kitchen knife all belonged to her son and the knife came from her kitchen. And then the other evidence used was his fibres being found in her pyjamas and the DNA matching the accused was found on the clothing. It's just insane. Like, he confirmed that the DNA sample taken on Alicia's neck had a billion to one chance of coming from anybody but Campbell. And then, obviously, the Snapchat video came up. So he'd sent a video of himself to a group of 25 people with the words, found the guy who's done it with him in it. Like, he's 16. He knows about... He was brought up with the internet. Everyone knows what yeah. you put online yeah. is, will be found. Yeah. It's absolutely mental. Like, absolutely mental. But this is another part that I... Because I knew bits about this case. But obviously, I kind of forgot bits of it. But he pled not guilty. So he has a defence. Right? <laughs> and his defence is that he spent the early hours smoking cannabis and looking for his lost phone. Two friends of his testified saying they've received messages from him but did not meet him and he basically he then basically made up a case that tony the girlfriend was responsible for her death and he got to the witness stand so he took the stand and said that alicia's dad's girlfriend had sex with him in a garage that night and then she told him to murder alicia and then she had so then he didn't so then she murdered alicia took the condom that they'd used having sex to put his semen on her body. You see, that just seems like a lot of effort. Yeah. So his lawyer said that she was jealous of the attention the girl was receiving, and that her relationship with Alicia's father was abusive. Obviously, Tony's like, what are you talking about saying that she loved the child to pieces? And actually, Alicia's grand got up in court and actually said that Alicia and Tony had a great relationship and that there was not I mean the relationship with her dad was also fine so I think that was a really grasping at straws but he answered questions for two hours offering explanations for stuff and they said that he was so composed like unfazed by the whole thing he said to the court that he never even met Alicia and denied murder by saying that he could never do that and he agreed that placing the blame on an innocent person would be evil so I'm just like mm. Like, imagine having to be his lawyer, though. Mm-hmm. You just want to be like, right, mate, you're on your own. You're guilty. Yep. yep. So, yeah. So then the trial lasted nine days, right? And the jury deliberated for three hours before giving a unanimous guilty verdict on the 21st of February last year and said that the evidence was overwhelming and some of the most wicked, evil crimes that they'd ever seen, right? Mm-hmm. This is when the media outlets all make the legal bid for the teenager's name to be publicly identified, arguing that you know it's for the public's interest and they deserve to know her name like i'd like to think if someone killed my child i'd want to know their name following the trial though he agreed to reverse the naming restriction that's another first in scottish history mm-hmm. due to the unique nature of the case now campbell then reappears in front of the same judge for his sentencing on the 21st of march 
well, reports were prepared, sorry, by a clinical psychologist and a social worker, revealing that he then confessed to the crime in detail. He said that he was quite satisfied with the murder and it took everything to stop him laughing during certain points of the trial. No way. The report stated that Campbell continued to experience thoughts of killing and having sex with children and having sex with dead bodies. Oh, no. Yes, I feel like we've gone from, like, I'm innocent to I'm a complete psychopath in the 90s. The judge described him as cold, calculating, remorseless, and he lacked complete empathy. He got sentenced to 27 years, well, life imprisonment with a minimum of 27 years. Thank God it was a minimum of 27 years. Yeah, but what did he do, Samantha? Tell me what he did. He appealed... (laughs) Yeah, On the 10th of like, oh September God, 2019, so yeah, a year ago, he appeals. He successfully he appeals. He's... I'm going to say what? it again. He successfully <laughs> appeals. No way. Reducing the minimum term from 27 years to 24. Meaning like, when he, yeah, he'll be able to apply for parole when he's 40. But how can you successfully appeal for that? But like... then, do you want to know the best part? <laughs> Tell me. Three judges ruled that the original sentencing had been excessive. (laughs) Excessive? Oh my god. How? I don't understand. So he's currently in jail. He's in jail at HM Young Offenders Institution in Pullman and when he turns 21 he will go to adult prison. But yeah, that is... He's going to get beaten up in adult prison, so maybe that will be good. beaten up in adult prison. For oh, sure. yeah. We'll but go just... in adult prison and beat him up. Yeah, we'll, we'll go in. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I couldn't get over, I think there's a lot, that's the case. That's all the information I have for you, but I think there's a lot to debate about this case. So one of the first things that I want to debate about this is, it's that typical thing where they then jumped on the fact of he was influenced to commit this crime. He was obsessed with video games and he liked Slenderman and he'd had a rough childhood as his mum was an alcoholic and he'd had quite a tough time of it, blah, blah, blah. And they tried to use that to kind of justify why he did it. Now, this case is claimed, well, it's compared to like the worst child murder that's happened since James Bulger. And that's a big statement to make as well. That's a big statement to make. But I just feel like it just annoys me when it's automatically like, well, he did watch horror films, you know, this is why it's happened. And I just... I don't I, think... I think that it's Taylor rubbish. No, it can't make you a killer. Like, the amount of... Um, like, I was playing GTA by the age of, like, eight. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, like, my dad was having me watch Jurassic Park at the age of five, etc., etc. Like... Um, you're not no, you're not killing anyone. No, I'm interested in it all. Maybe that's an issue we need to delve but, into. But but that's the thing, like it's like, oh, their interests were, you know, things like this, that's not all right. And that, I think it always reminds me of um, do you remember the Columbine shooting in America? A lot of the blame was the fact that they listened to Marilyn Manson's music. And like I have a few of his songs on my playlist. What's uh-huh. do you know? You used to be an emo, can we just what do you mean? Or was it seen? Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Um, but, like, that's the thing. Like, it's just, that's what got me really annoyed because I feel like even though he literally said that he was pleased with the murder and all this stuff, it wasn't just because he was evil or a murderer or, you know, psychologically there's obviously something not right. But instead of that, they're blaming society. 
and it's like no like I just get really annoyed with stuff like that I'm like you can't just the music you listen to doesn't define no like mistakes that you make in life no not at all you know it doesn't choose your path isn't led by what films you watch or if you like horror movies or not I mean if you like horror movies you're more likely to kill someone like come on no I think I don't know enough about like anything really but enough about this to the fact that I think you're probably you're born that way and maybe there's one thing that just triggers something in your brain Mm-hmm. Maybe one tiny event that maybe just pushes that switch. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe it's anything to do with video games, music or films. No, surely not. However, Even the childhood thing, I'm more sympathetic to that. Like with him growing up with an alcoholic parent, that's horrendous. But, you know, he can't, that doesn't give him the right to go and kill, abduct and kill a child. No. And I get some movies and things they are awful like some movies shouldn't be released or even made and they can develop an obsession with it and maybe they think oh this is this is life this is normal but then at the same time what films really show going to murder and rape six-year-olds well that's the thing and he'd said he'd thought about it before and stuff like that but then my thing as well is like when I was reading into this, what I was really struggling to understand is he had a knife with him, but he ditched the knife when he realised he could break into the house. So the knife wasn't for murder, the knife was to literally get in the house, and then he was able to get into the house, so it was all fine. But the whole Slenderman thing is a guy that stabs people and whatnot, and, you know, like, I just... I think like, like a fictional character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's weird, yeah. But then that's when I'm like, I don't understand. Like he had a knife on him like if he do you know he could have kept that and done something much worse but it's like it's like something just switched and as he said he saw an opportunity but he just do you know it it confuses me a lot this case Mm -hmm. I think it's one of those ones though it's like you're never gonna know why unless he he talks or he like is properly studied or you know if he says anything why you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. Like a lot of murderers and things are kind of different types of cases or, you know, the really, really brutal types. You just don't know why yeah. it happened. One thing, I don't know if it's up for debate or anything, but like, how do you feel about the judge ruling that his name could be released? I 100% agree with it. Like, mm-hmm. normally I'm kind of like, especially when they are young, I'm like, oh, maybe don't do that. But I'm just kind of like, do you know what? He was mature enough to kill a young girl Mm -hmm. yeah no I accept that I agree I think 16 you're old enough to to be named maybe not for smaller cases but I think if it's murdered or or rape or anything then yeah albeit we know like the media can properly annihilate someone and then it turns out not to be the actual murderer you know yeah no no for sure but no I think especially with him admitting it I think it was right that his name came out. I'm actually very glad he pled guilty eventually. Yeah. I think he would have kept fighting it and fighting it. But also, I really just wanted to mention his mum. Mm-hmm. Now, I know we've gone on to learn that his mum was an alcoholic or whatnot. But all that aside, yeah, she ended up giving that stuff to the police to kind of clean his name and ended up doing the opposite. But she could have done nothing at all 
But mm-hmm. also the stuff of his, like the clothes that were found at the crime scene, she could have easily just said, I don't recognise them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, being an alcoholic doesn't make you a bad person. But yeah, but just because I know that he had a lot of issues with his mum, still, like, for her to to go, to like, you know, to go up in court against her own child, especially for the murder of a child, yeah. that must be so, so difficult. I think it kind of could show, though, like, the fact that their relationship must have been pretty bad. Like, yeah. if she, without even thinking or blinking, all right, I'll... I'll send that video into the police i'll testify against him well then like, when she sent the video in the pl- into the police remember she was doing it to clear his name uh-huh. so that's how like confused she was she thought he was so innocent that she yeah. was like oh i'll send in this video so they definitely know it's not you and then that's probably the reason like, that's the thing see if you actually think about it which is terrifying if she had never sent in that video they probably wouldn't have known who he was mm-hmm. and there would probably be no, obviously he would have ended up telling more people because he was a bit of an arsehole, but, like, the police wouldn't have had him on their radar and, like, he could have got away with it. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, so Which is scary. insane to think. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. It's mental. Absolutely mental. But, yeah, I'm glad we covered this one because I think it's also the smaller parts in Scotland where you think things don't happen, but also for her age... Mm-hmm. It was a tough one, and I think kid cases I find a lot harder. Oh yeah, like obviously all murder cases are horrendous, but I think especially when it's a child and you actually yeah. look at pictures of her and she's just so young. Like I just don't understand. 